Well, it's my honor once again to present to you someone very dear to us. Uh, I call him Apostle, a man of wisdom, of great stature, formerly the general overseer for the youth, Assemblies of God, years ago. Amen? He's here with us today. He's part of us, part of the ACM, part of our family and network, but a man with lots of wisdom and insight. There's a lot of traveling. It's always a blessing to have him back here. And uh, I just want to encourage you to open up your hearts, your spiritual ears, to hear what the Lord is going to speak to us. Stand to your feet and give a Lord a clap on for Apostle Stephen Brock, Encouragement Ministries. Amen. Amen. Glad to have you back. The Lord is good. You may be seated. Okay, this mic's on. You can hear me okay? All right. You know, how many remember that movie, The Lion King? Well, I heard a story once about little Simba, the small little lion. He was up on the mountaintop with his dad, the Lion King. And he looked at his dad and he said, Dad, what is the Super Bowl? And the Lion King said, Son, I don't know. I'm a Detroit lion. Amen. But we have the blessed hope every year we keep thinking maybe our team's going to get it together and every year they find creative ways to blow it. But that's okay. Next year's a new year, right? Forgetting those things which are behind and looking forward to things that are uh, above, right? Our things are in front of us. So let's trust God <laughs> this coming year we might have a team from Detroit. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to be speaking during the halftime program tonight, and God has given me a word. Um, when the bishop said, now, it's, it's, you're going to speak at halftime of the Super Bowl, and I said to myself, my Lord, what in the world am I going to say? But God gave me a word. It will be interesting. It will be entertaining. It will be challenging, and we'll trust God for souls tonight as well. Can you say amen? All right. Father, in Jesus' name. We want to take a moment to say we love you and we bless you and you are our God and we rejoice in the God that called us and saved us and redeemed us. We praise you, Father. Lord, I just pray that this word this morning would find a place in our hearts that would challenge us. Meet the needs. May you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. My wife would have been with me this morning, but she just is overcoming a hack and cough and she said, I don't need to come to church and share that with everybody. So she's back at the hotel, and she's praying for the service, so she sends her love and greetings. Amen. If you have a Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 2. And we're going to talk about this morning, did God say? Did God say? So I'm going to read some today. If you don't have a Bible, then just listen to me as I read, and and, uh, uh, and I'll be short today, if it, you know, I, I should be able to be done in an hour and a half or so. One, one guy was visiting the church, and he says, now, pastor, how long can I preach for? And the pastor said, you can preach as long as you want, but we all leave at 12. <laughs> Genesis chapter 2, and I read out of the NIV, 
It means nearly inspired version. But Genesis chapter 2, Thus the heavens and the earth was completed in all the vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating what he had done. So it's good to take a day to rest and come into God's presence. Can you say amen? Amen. If it's good enough for God, it should be good enough for us. Verse 4. This is the account of the heaven and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had, been, had appeared on the earth, and no plant had, been, had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. Now remember, it never rained on the earth until the flood. The flood was the first time the earth had ever received rain. Verse 7, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed the pneuma, the spirit, the breath of God. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So God created man out of this big dirt pile, and then God put his mouth over the mouth and nose of this piece of clay and breathed. Into him, the breath of life, the spirit of life. And that same breath is what's in you. The very same breath. See, medical doctors can't tell you why you're dead. They just said, well, he's dead. I hope he paid his bill. They can't, they, they can't describe what causes someone to die? Well, your heart's not beating. There's those neurons going on. But they still can't describe it. What happened? Your spirit, man, leaves your body. The breath of God leaves your body. That's what happens. So he says that he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden. And there he put man he had formed The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing for the eye and good for the food. In the middle of the garden, he put two trees. In the middle of the garden, there was a tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Go to verse 15, and it says this in verse 15. The Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded... The Lord God didn't give him five options. He gave him a command. When God gives a command, guess what? It's a command. It's not an option. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not. Say must not. You must not eat from the tree of, of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Command, don't eat it, don't touch it, stay away from it. If you do, it's going to kill you. Do you understand me? You understand? And Adam said, yep, I got it. See, God means what he says. And God says what he means. And when God gives a command, 
When God says you will, when God says you shall, it's a command. Pay attention. Verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone, and I will make him a helper suitable for him. Go to verse 20b. But, but for Adam, there was no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. So ladies, if your man's sleeping hard, it's not his fault. Amen. And all, all the men said amen to that, yeah. I said, just take it up with Jesus, you know. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of man's ribs, and then he closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of man, and he brought her to the man. See, God took a rib to make the woman. He could have taken something from his head. From, he could have taken something from Adam's foot. But he didn't take it from his head so the woman would lord over the man. He didn't take it from his foot so the man would walk on the woman. He took it from the rib so they could walk side to side and face the challenges of life together. I heard a story once where Adam was sleeping. He was in that deep sleep, you know. And he woke up and Eve was poking him. And he said, what are you doing? And Eve said, I'm counting your ribs. I'm making sure you're not cheating on me. <laughs> Sorry. So verse 23, and the man said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman, for she was taken out of the man. So I guess the man was the first mother. Verse 24, this is why a man leaves his father, and he leaves his mother, and he's united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Now, I'm not going to get into a marriage seminar here, but listen, when you marry somebody, you become one, and your commitment's to each other first, okay? Thank God for your mother-in-law. Like one guy said, the story says, behind every successful man is a surprised mother-in-law. But your first commitment is to your spouse. I once said to my children, you know, Tim, Steph, if you and, and me and, and your mom was all on a boat and the boat flipped over and we're in the water and I could only save one person, who should I save? Should I save you, sissy? She said, that's a good idea. You know. Timmy, should I save you? Neither one of them wanted to say anything. I said, I want to tell you who I would save first. I would save your mama. Because my first commitment is to her. The children are the byproduct of the love. The children are the byproduct of the relationship, but my first commitment is to my spouse. Hear me? That's a whole different sermon, so let me not go over there, but... All right, now chapter 3. Now the serpent, he was a snake, right? The serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, this is what we're shooting for today, did God really say? 
you must not eat from any tree in the garden. Did God really say that? See, the first thing the enemy wants to do to, when he wants to destroy you is to attack your mind and get you to question God. When people turn away from God, they reject the authority of the scriptures. There's never an exception. If you see someone backslide, someone goes back into sin, they will always, always, always reject the authority of the scriptures. They begin to question them. Well, I'm not sure the Bible is true. I'm not sure this is right. I'm not sure. The same lie that the devil told Eve. You hear me now? Did God really say? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the truth, our fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. So she got the message. But God told Adam. He didn't tell Eve. He told Adam, and Adam told Eve. But I want you to notice the lie. She said, yeah, yeah, God said that. But then the devil came back and spoke to her and said, you will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, verse 4, you won't, certainly you won't die. Absolutely not. But it says in, in Genesis 2, verse 17, God said, if you eat from it, you will certainly die. God said, you're going to die. The devil said, nah, God's just kidding. Remember that the devil will lie to you in the middle of the night. Verse 5, for God knows that when you eat from, from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw the fruit of the tree that was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it, ate it, and she also gave it to her husband who was with her. He said, here, take some of this. He said, okay. And he ate it. So the problem wasn't with the apple and the tree. The problem was with the pear on the ground. Can you say amen? And she was able to see and understand good and evil. And it cost her everything. You see, temptation comes in only three packages. There will never be any more than three packages when it comes to temptation. There is no exceptions ever. All temptation will boil down to three things. Lust of the eye. Don't she look good? Lust of the flesh. I want it because I want it because I want it because I want it. And the pride of life. Mm -mm, don't I look good? Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life, every temptation you will ever face, you will ever battle, will fall in one of these three categories. It started with Adam and Eve, and it hasn't changed to this very day. Verse 7, Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized that they were naked. So they 
sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. That's a poor attempt by man to cover a sin. Fig leaves just doesn't get it done. Can you say amen? Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And here comes God to show up to bless and to fellowship and to commune with his children. And what did they do? The Bible says they hid from the Lord God in the trees of the garden. Sin will cause you to run away. Sin will separate you from the things of God. When people begin to get callous in their walk with God, they get sloppy in their agape. When they begin to allow things to creep into their life, all of a sudden the things of God doesn't seem to have such a wonderful appeal. And they stop praying. They stop reading their Bible. They stop hearing sermons. They stop going to church. They stop giving to the faith. They stop and they pull away. They hide themselves from God. They pull themselves away from a loving God. When God is here to love you and bless you and teach you and comfort you and heal you and deliver you, they want to run away. May we run to him. So often we pray, God, may the anointing of God come upon us today. But the anointing is a strange thing. The anointing of God will either pull you in to his presence or the anointing of God will push you away from him and it's going to be determined in which way you are leaning. Draw me near, Jesus. Keep me close. Amen. But the Lord called to him and said, where are you? And Adam answered, he said, I, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. See, that anointing, that covering, the Shekinah glory of God was removed and his sin was exposed. And he hid from God. I've seen people at one time walk with God, turn away. And they want to stay as far from God as they can get because their sin is exposed. That's a terrible way to live your life. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit and I ate it. Now, what was the very first sin in the Bible. How would you say it? What would you say it was? What's the very first sin? Can't hear you. Disobedience, someone yelled. That's the first sin. God said don't, and they did, right? Disobedience. But notice, what is the second sin? I thought about writing a book one time about the second sin. Notice what it says. The woman you, God... Put here with me. You gave her to me. I was minding my own business. What did you do? You knocked me out. You put me in a deep sleep. You gave me this lady. And look what she did to me. You did it, God. The woman you 
gave me. Woo! And how often when people are doing sin and wicked things, well, it's not my fault. I'm a product of this. I was raised this way. I saw this. And they begin to point fingers at other people. The woman you gave me, the woman you put here, you gave me, she gave me some of the fruit and, and, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it that you have done? And she's following the same pattern that her husband gave her. And the woman said, the serpent deceived me. What is she doing? Blame. Listen, gang, I got a word for us today. We are accountable for our choices. Our society is constantly feeding us a line. We're not responsible. This situation, this situation, this situation, this situation. We don't want to call anything evil. Everything is mental illness. Friend, some things are flat out evil. And we are responsible. Verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat the dust all the days of your life. You see, the snake wasn't a snake until after the fall. Part of the curse was he, from that point on, was going to crawl on his belly. <clears throat> and he said this, very powerful. And when I put enmity, and I will put enmity or division between you and the woman... And between your offspring and your heirs, and your heirs is Christ, he's talking about. And he will crush your head. The devil's going to stomp the, I mean, God's going to stomp the devil right in the ground. But you will strike his head, heel. In other words, the devil's always gnawing, always trying to. Strike, strike, strike. He's coming against the work of God. He's coming against the people of God. He's coming against the family of God. He's always going to continue to do that. But we are conquerors through Christ. <clears throat> to the woman, he said, I will, make the, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. Your, your painful labor, you will give birth, in, you'll give birth to your children. I mean, I have no idea what that means. But I do know tonight that, that if one of, those, one of my teams drops a football in the, in the end zone, it may be very similar to the same pain, you know, that men feel when women are having labor. You know, I, I, I just. No? All right, I just. I was able to get a good reaction. All right. And your desire will be for your husband. He will rule over you. To Abraham, he said, because you listen to your wife. Oh, man. Because you listen to your wife. I heard a story about a man. He had to listen to his wife, and so he decided he wasn't going to speak to her. He didn't talk to her for six months because he thought it would be wrong to interrupt her. I'm sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. Anyway, let me tell you something about listening to your wife. I have learned, I have learned to listen to my wife. 
God has given women the sixth sense. They have a discernment that drive men crazy. Because men, we try to be logical. I want facts. And what women say is, I just feel. <laughs> and men say, what? I just don't know if I can trust that guy. He's a good guy. I just feel. Let me tell you, I've been married most of my life, and I've learned to pay attention. Because God gave women this special ability to have insight and discernment that we don't get. So learn to listen to your wife. All right. I'm trying to redeem myself, brother. <laughs> All right. And he ate. <laughs> because you listened to your wife and you ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you. You ate fruit from the tree which I commanded you. You must not eat. When the devil says this, but God says this, we need to stand with God. All right. So he said, curse it is the ground for you. And through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles, and you will eat from the plants of the field. And by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until uh, you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for, from, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. So we're just dust. We're going to go back to dust. But we who are born again, our spirits are forever going to be with Jesus. Can you say amen? amen? I heard a story about a little boy that went to Sunday school, and he heard this story about Adam being created from the dust and from the dust, you're going to go back to. So he looked under his bed one, one day, and he said, Mom, there's a man underneath my bed, but I don't know if he's coming or going. One woman said, I never dust, dust my house because it might be somebody I know. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all living. And the Lord God made garments for skin for Adam and his wife, and they clothed them. And the Lord God said... The man must now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach in his hand and take off from the tree of life and eat and live forever. You see, sin costs you. There is a price for sin. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. And after he drove the man out, he placed, on the east, placed him on the east side of the garden are placed on the east side of the garden, uh, cherub, with a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard from the tree of life. So Adam died. It cost him everything. God put him in the garden to live forever. But he listened to the lie of the devil. And the devil will lie to you. See, when God says this is a fact, God means what he says. But see, sometimes God says this, but people will come into your life and say, oh, no, but, but God meant this. Society will says, God, society says, this is okay. And the government will pass laws and say, this is legal, but because it's legal doesn't make it moral. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it godly. And now we're in a society that says that if you happen to believe there's only two sexes, there's something wrong with you. Stand up. 
Be children of God. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. So beware of the lies of the serpent. There is a battle that which, which we must fight. Lies that we must tear down. Lies that we must reject and destroy. The battle of the mind and the spirit. Lies that the devil speaks. Lies that others say. Lies that we say about ourselves. We can defeat these lies. We can be defeated by the lies or we can defeat the lies. All right? So you need to learn to agree with God and say amen to what God says about you and about your situation. So what does God say? And what do the devils say? I want to share with you real quick 10 things. I'm going to go through them fast. The lies of the devil. The devil says, no one loves you. There's young people that are checking out, blowing their brains out, committing suicide because someone says nobody loves you. Some of you have maybe gone through horrific situations in your home and people have said, nobody loves you. But Colossians 3.12, it tells me that therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, God chose me. In Christ, I am loved. So if someone tells you that nobody loves you, you can say to them, but God said that I'm beloved. God says I am loved. What do you want to believe? What God says or the devil says? Second thing, the devil says, you have done too many bad things. God will never forgive you. But Ephesians 1, 7 tells me, in Christ, I am forgiven. Jesus didn't come to save the righteous. He came to save the sinner. He came to save those that are broken by sin. He came to save those which were ugly. And he came to save us. He saved you and saved me. Because in all of, when I was in all of my sin, Christ loved me and gave himself for me. There's no sin that God can't forgive. I hear people sometimes say, well, I can't be forgiven because I blasphemed the Holy Ghost. Listen, because you're even concerned about it tells me you haven't blasphemed the Holy Ghost. Third thing, the devil says, no one wants you. But God says, in 1 Peter 2, 9, in Christ I am chosen. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. I'm God's special possession. Who do you want to live, listen to? The devil's lies or God's truths? Fourth thing, the devil says, you can never change. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 tells me, I am a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away. All things have become new. I'm a new man because of Jesus. Can you say amen? All right. The fifth thing, the devil says, everyone hates you. For what you've done. But God said in Romans 8:1, therefore there is now no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ. You see the difference? 
If you listen to the devil's lies, it will drag you down, it will bind you, it will imprison you, and it will keep you defeated every day of your life. Or you can listen to the truth of God's word and embrace that and live that. And when the word says there's no condemnation, then it means there's no condemnation. Six, the devil says, you're a loser. Your life is wasted. But God says in Romans 8, 37, now in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am not a loser, bless God. I don't have an L on my forehead saying I'm a loser. Bless God, I am a child of the living God. I belong to him, and I am more than a conqueror, not just a conqueror. I am over-the-top conqueror through Christ. These are the things you have to get into your mind. These are the things you have to get into your spirit. These are the things that you need to meditate. These are the things you need to feed on. These are the things you need to dwell in. These are the things that will strengthen your spirit. You begin to think the way God thinks. Begin to act the way God acts. And begin to see yourself the same way that Almighty God sees you. Seven, the devil says, you're a mess. Waste of humanity. You're just a mess. You're ugly. You're repulsive. But this is what God says. In Christ, I am God's workmanship. I'm under construction, and he is making me what he wants me to be in Ephesians 2.10. That's what it says. Eight, the devil says, God doesn't have time for failures. He doesn't got time with you. He's got no time for you. But Philippians 1.6 says, in Christ, I am a work in progress. This is what it says. Being confident, Paul says, confident of this one thing, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out onto completion until the day of Christ. God's got time for you. Nine, the devil says you're going to go through life poor and a beggar. But this is what God says. In Philippians 4.19, he says <coughs> that Christ will provide for me. Because it says, and my God, and my God, not your God, my God, will meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And let me put this in context. Because sometimes people like to quote that verse, but sometimes they misapply it. Paul stated that verse, saying to the Philippian church, because you gave to ministry, you gave to missions, you gave, you know, uh, with a heart of love, because you gave to others, you sold into a field, because you were faithful to do that, now I can say with confidence, my God will supply all of your needs, according to his riches and glory. You can't eat all your seed up and expect a harvest. You got to sow some seed. And if you're faithful to do what God asked you to do, he promised he would bless you and provide for you supernaturally. And the last thing the devil says, you can never overcome the troubles that you have in your life. 
You can never overcome them. But God said something different. In second, or 1 Corinthians 15, 7, he says this. 1 Corinthians 15, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I can overcome. Because Jesus will give me the victory. He is my God. And he is my provider. And he is, he is my friend. And bless God, he'll go to battle for me. Because if I'm faithful to him, he'll be faithful to me. And I can overcome all of these life's trials. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? Amen. amen. Let's stand together. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the privilege, Lord, we've had to share the word of God here today. And often, Lord, the battle is in the mind. But, Lord, the word says faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. And, Lord, this morning, when the word says, did God say, we're going to say, yes, he did. I'm not going to listen to bad reports. I'm not going to listen to naysayers. I'm not going to listen to those who don't know you. I'm going to honor you and listen to you and do what the word of God says for me to do in Jesus' name. And Lord, we're going to thank you for it. Now, Lord, we want to pray for folks that might need Christ here in just a moment. But Father God, we're going to ask that you would do your work and have your will done in these situations in Jesus' name. Lord, just do the work. People came to church today, Lord, saying, God, I don't know how I'm going to get this thing figured out. God, I, I don't know how, Lord, you're going to meet this need. God, I, I don't know how, how I'm going to come against this situation. May the word get into our spirit. May the word begin to cause us, Lord, to agree with God. Lord, and do the work. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. If you're here today and you've just been in a, a, a major struggle in your life, I mean, it, the battle's been tough. It's been tough, and you feel like you're pulling the wagon uphill all by yourself. But you need God to do a work for you. Whatever the situation is, just lift your hand up. Just lift it up. Father, you see these hands. Lord, you see these, each, each of these hands represent a need. A physical need. A financial need. A situation need. A problem on the job. A problem in the home, a problem with a neighbor. Whatever the need is, Father, my God, you are able to meet each and every person. And as they lifted their hands in faith to you, saying, God, I need you to be God for me. Right now, in the name of Jesus, break the bondages. Lord, break the bondages. Lord, come through with the answer. Like when Daniel prayed for 21 days, the angels came with the answer. Lord, come through and give us victory in this circumstance. Give us victory in this situation. Father, give us victory, Lord, right now in Jesus' name. Bring healing where there needs to be healing. Salvation where there needs to be salvation. If you need Jesus right now, say, God, come into my heart. God, I confess my sin. I open my heart to you. Come into my life right where I stand. I receive you into my life right now. Lord, do the work that needs to be done. Move upon this crowd today. Meet every need in the sweet name of Jesus. And we'll thank you for it. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Did God say? Yes, he did. Stand with God. Stand in victory. In Jesus' name, amen.